you probably noticed all the guys wearing their mission shirts, and I'm excited about what God is doing in the mission. If, if you don't know about that, um, you know, it's easy in Owasso to see everything new, all this new stuff, new buildings, new restaurants coming to town. But the reality is there are many around us who have great needs. And um, God has called our, called our church to be right in the middle of that. And so we are expanding the mission, which is, already exists on Main, St- Main Street, but we purchased 10 acres of land on Garnett. And, and we invite you to be a part of that ministry. It's phenomenal. And it's honestly the opportunity that we have to be the hands and feet of Christ to many people, not only in Owasso, but in the rural communities around us. And, and so uh, I'm excited to, to see all of that become, uh, come to completion. And uh, we, are, we are down the road and we invite you to help us with that. But uh, I can't believe it's May 1st. Uh, it's crazy to me. May, May is, this day uh, honestly didn't sneak up on our family. It's, it's really been this flashing red light on our calendar uh, for my family. And, uh, and it's, it's been one of those um, experiences. We, yesterday, we had one of those experiences. Honestly, it was another moment as a parent where God drew us to our knees, saying, God, help us. Um, and if, you, uh, if you've been through this before, you know the trauma of enrolling your first child in college. That's what we did yesterday, this weekend. Uh, and that was... Um, uh, a, an amazingly challenging moment for us because last night, Robin and I, we, we got home from this weekend at Oklahoma Baptist University where my daughter is, she would have stayed yesterday if we would have let her. Um, but we, we, we were walking in our neighborhood going, was that real? Did we just do that? How did that happen? Uh, and, and you know, it's, it's just another one of those moments where um, where, where God has drawn us to our knees seeking him for wisdom. That happens a lot in life, right? And maybe some of you are here and you're, maybe your struggle or your challenge that you're facing is not watching your children uh, leave your home or prepare to leave your home. Maybe it's a new retirement and you're trying to find purpose. Maybe you're in a marriage that's struggling and you're wondering what to do if you're going to make it. Maybe, maybe you're facing a crossroad in your life, in your job or career, or maybe you're single and struggling with that struggle or, the, or struggling with loneliness maybe. I don't know where your struggle is, but there are many moments in life that God brings us to our knees. And I often say this, and it's true, that, that when I get up to preach, I'm not talking at you. I'm with you. And today is a message I need uh, in my own life, in my family, as we are praying through this milestone, as we walk through it. But, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. You don't have to look too far at our culture that, that it's... it's uh, there's a lot of people that don't have common sense. Common sense not, is not really that common, right? Uh, there's a lot of uh, people that have degrees and have uh, experience, but they don't have much wisdom. And in this morning, we're going to continue to this journey of walking through the book of James, and we're going to turn our attention to wisdom that comes from God. You know, we need God's wisdom, don't we? We really do every day of our lives. Now, um, the book of James is an interesting book. And in this passage that we're going to look at, James defines real wisdom. 
He tells us what it is. He, 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 sh- he shows how it differs from human wisdom, and then he lines out what wisdom looks like in our everyday lives. And, and this is timely for us. I mean, this is timely for our family, for me as, as a dad, as I seek the Lord for wisdom, as we walk through this milestone in our family. And, and that's what we're going to look at today. James 3 is, this, is helping us continue the journey of, of this faith that works in everyday life, this next step forward that we are to take as believers Regardless of, the, of what is drawing you to your knees today, um, we need God's wisdom. And I'm grateful that the Lord, in all his sovereignty and all his understanding, he lays it out in, in his word. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, would you turn to James chapter 3, and, uh, and let's look at verses 13 through 18, and would you stand with me just in honor of reading God's word today, and let's look at it, what God says to us through James. Verse 13 says this, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And the seed of whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, um, I want us to understand the context here of this passage because it's very important. Um, James is continuing to help us understand what the church does. Now, so often when we think about what does the church do, we, can, we think about what takes place in this room, what, what, what we do in our, in our practices of, okay, we sing and we, and we hear the Bible preached or, or we go through the Lord's Supper. And, but but the real, really, when James talks about walking with God, he's talking about what the church does in their life outside these walls. And this is why James does so much to to deal with our practices and our actions, our life. And and all through the book of James, you can't read this book without understanding that James is, is pushing and challenging his church and God is challenging believers to pay attention to the way they live. And this is really what... Um, what James is saying. Now, verse, chapter 3, verse 1, James begins by saying, if you're a teacher of the law, you should understand you're going to, or if you're a teacher, you should understand you're going to face stricter judgment. Now, that is true for someone like with my calling to, to preach and to lead the church and help as one of the pastors to get up and preach, that I am held to a, a, a higher degree of accountability because I'm a teacher. But we looked at last week, if you were here, that all of us as believers are teachers at some level. 
Like, think about this. As Christians, as followers of Christ, we're to model to the whole community where we live, everybody around us, what it looks like to walk with Jesus. So in, fact, in, real, in, real, in reality, all of us are teachers to some degree. Now, so I want us to understand that so we don't just say, oh, well, this is just for someone, for the pastors of our church or, or for someone that's a Sunday school teacher in our church. No, this is wisdom that all of us need to embrace. So I want us to understand that. Now, look at verse 13. Um, James says, who among you is wise and understanding? Now, all of us, it's a question. All of us want to be wise, don't we? We want to be understanding. James says, let, it, let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. So again, we see James is saying, look at your life. Look at the way you live, and that's going to help you discern and understand if you're wise or not. Now, look at that phrase, gentleness of wisdom. This is a very clear picture in the Greek, and I want you to understand it. Well, my very first church I ever served in was in western Oklahoma, and I was a city boy that went to Thomas, Oklahoma to be a youth pastor, and they were always messing with me because I, I didn't know the difference between a tractor and a combine, and I was like ready to go out there in the country. I loved it. It was so much fun. And I had a buddy of mine that we became, we're still friends. He's a pastor in Stillwater at Countryside Baptist church. And, and, uh, and Justin took me out on his farm and he said, I want you to ride dude. Learn how to ride dude. It was one of his horses. And so I get on this horse and I want you to get this, this horrible picture of a city boy. I had green Converse high tops on. They were cool back then in the 90s. And uh, I had overalls and a John Deere hat that they had given me that matched my shoes. It was really a horrible sight. And so I jump on this horse and I think we're running. I think, man, I'm going so fast on this horse. And Justin rides up beside me and hits dude on the rear. And that horse took off. And it scared the snot out of me. I was going, stop, stop. And I start sliding off the side of the horse. And I, but hey, I was a tennis player, man. I was not going to fall off. And, uh, and so I, I hold on to that horse with my legs. And I'm screaming, stop. Finally, I grab the reins pulled back and dude stopped. I was pumped. I've survived. You know what this gentleness of wisdom, you know what the picture is? The picture is it's, it's a bit in a horse's mouth. And it's giving us this picture that as a believer, if you want to be wise, who is wise among you? Who is understanding you show it by your gentleness of wisdom. It's this picture of, of a person that says, God, <clears throat> I willingly submit to you. Just like dude willingly submitted when I pulled the reins back. We are a group of people that say, God, we are living in submission to you. Now this is important. Because so many people live by following their own way of doing things or, or their own opinions or their own set of rules. But we are a group of people that without apology say, God, we understand that you are Lord and that we are a group of people that, have, that are willingly submitting to your voice, your word in our lives. That's that term, gentleness of wisdom. And James is saying, God is saying to us that, that you will show your wisdom and your understanding by the way you submit to God. 
And, and we've got to catch that. I don't want you to miss that in the scriptures. Now, now if, you're, if you have your notes, I want you to follow along because James lays out what godly wisdom looks like. Now, I want you to see point number one today is the, the key to being wise is to determine the correct source of wisdom in your life. Okay, so what is the source of wisdom that you draw from? Who do you listen to? Now, this is important to ask because what what drives your life, the source of your wisdom will drive you, will determine your, your, your choices. And, and, and James is asking, God is asking us here, is, do you have the correct source of wisdom? Look at verse 13. He says, let him, if you're wise and understanding, let him show by his good behavior. Now, when the Bible talks about good behavior, he's talking about doing what the Bible says doing things God calls good. And here's what I want you to see is, is, is there is a source of wisdom driven by obedience to God. And I want you to see this, that you and I can draw from wisdom that is driven by obedience to God. And this is who we've got to be. Pro- Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And God has laid out how we should live and what we should do. It's why at our church we are so focused at understanding the Bible. Now, we say it like this, that whenever we have practices in our lives that we discover are different from the Word of God, then we are compelled to change our practices to line up with Scripture. If we have beliefs that we hold that are contrary to the Word of God, we are compelled to change our beliefs to line up with Scripture because God has spoken. God has given us wisdom, and He he has shown us what is good. And I want you to see this. Now, um, um, James 3.14, I want you to look at this. Though there is a wisdom that is driven by obedience to God, we see in verse 14, there's another kind of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, look at this, but is earthly, is natural, and is demonic. Now look at this, that's crazy. He says this wisdom is demonic. It's it's from hell. He says it's natural. Now how many times do we we hear this argument that, hey, this is how I, this is my natural uh, tendency, this is who I am. So we, we live in a culture that is accepting sin because they say, oh, well, this is natural. And James is saying, look, there is a wisdom that comes from God that is driven by obedience to God, but there is another kind of wisdom. There is a wisdom driven by impure motives, by impure things. And I want us to see this, that James is laying this out, that, that he says in verse, verse 14, that, that there is, there, you, some of you, if you have bitter jealousy, some of your translations may say envious. Now, that, that Greek word can, can really mean both of those things. It could, be mean, could mean jealousy, could, be, could mean envious. Now, let's think about that. There is a wisdom that leads you to this jealousy or this envy. Now, think about this. When you're jealous of something, you're jealous of what someone has, you're, you're jealous of maybe someone's success. And, and there is wisdom that, that is in the world that is driven by jealousy. 
or by this envious that, that I, I'm envious of what you have. I'm envious because, because you have more than me and I want that. Or I'm, uh, I'm, I'm jealous because you've been successful in this. And, the, and God is telling us right here that we've got to pay attention to this wisdom that is driven by jealousy. I think of, of how many decisions we may have made because we were jealous of something. How many uh, houses we've bought or cars we've purchased or, or, or styles or, or situations we've tried to mimic because we're jealous. And it's important that we understand this wisdom doesn't come from God. He also says this, this wisdom that is driven by selfish ambition, this me-centered philosophy, this idea that, that um, I know what's right all the time and I, I am not teachable, I'm not gonna learn. It's, it's my way or the highway, this selfish, I'm gonna step on you to get what I want. And see, that's what's popular in the world. That's what the world says, this is success. If you can, over, like advertising is driven by the fact that, look, you need this in your life. You need to be envious of this so you'll go out and buy it. You know, we are, our world celebrates those that get on top. And see, it's important to understand that there is a wisdom that the world calls good, but God calls foolish. Now, here's the thing. I pray that we are a group of people that are driven, that the source of our, our motivation, our wisdom is saying, Lord, we want to succeed in what you call good, not what the world calls good. And, and I pray that we see this. James is just laying this out. Look at verse 16. He says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. I mean, it's, it's crazy. He's like, this is, this is a slippery slope that's going to destroy your life. And, and so many of us that follow the world's wisdom, we end up with broken relationships and devastated circumstances and hopeless lives. And see, Jesus tells us there's, there's a new way. Look at verse 17. He says, but the wisdom from above, the wisdom that comes from God, look at what he says. He lists it out here, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown by peace by those who make, make peace. So let's break this down for a minute. Let's understand this. Because he's telling us today, there is wisdom that comes from above. And, and I've talked to people all the time that say, I don't know what, what God wants me to do. I don't know how to live my life. I don't, know what to, I don't know what God is saying to me. Well, right here, he just lists it out. He gives us a list of here's what wisdom from above looks like in your everyday life. So let's catch this. A person who lives wisely will, look at verse 17, but this wisdom from above is first pure. So, so a person that lives wisely will, will be pure, will be motivated to be pure, will, will daily confront personal sin, right? You know, it's, it's gonna make sure that, that he's, he's not, the person that lives wisely will, will, will not just fall into this sin habitually, but will daily confront it. And this is something that I pray we learn to do. 
We learn to pay attention to the daily sin that we struggle with and we bring it to the Lord. It's just wise to confront your sin daily. And this is why you will hear us say all the time, don't push conviction away. No, we've got to embrace conviction. When the Lord convicts us, we don't push that away. We say, Lord, I'm gonna deal with this. I wanna confront sin in my life. And, and this is important for us to do because when you do, when you confront sin, it's wise because you won't allow compromise in your life. You won't compromise your integrity. You're gonna deal with the sin quickly. Now, look at, look at that wisdom from above is first pure. You know what that means? It means uncorrupted, authentic. 1 John 3, 3 is a really cool verse because um, John refers to Christ's character. He's talking about how Jesus impacted us. And in, in this passage, he says, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. So as a believer, we are confronted to purify ourselves, to deal with the sin in our lives. And, and, and that's why James, and God is telling us in, in James 3, that to live wisely, you're gonna not ignore sin. And we're gonna be motivated to, to, to get that right. The, look at verse 4, 17, he goes on, but wisdom is from above, is first pure, then peaceable. You're not only gonna confront sin in your life and deal with this, you're gonna be peaceable. What does that mean? It's a person that, that really lives out this wisdom from above will act to resolve personal conflicts, right? If you're gonna really live out wisdom from above, you're gonna, you're gonna work to resolve conflicts in your life. You know, so, so often we, we like conflicts. It's why every time on a playground when you were growing up, when there was a fight, everybody gathered around, right? Everybody circled up. Well, there's a fight. Let's go watch because we are driven, we like those conflicts, right? But God tells us that wisdom from above is peaceable. And, and this is something we've gotta learn from. As we walk with Jesus, as we learn to put our faith into practice, we've got to work at building peace with one another and living in peace with one another. And so, so we've gotta stop feeding that anger that we, we let get out of control sometimes. You know, it's interesting, Proverbs 20, verse 3 says this, any fool can start arguments. The wise thing is to stay out of them. But we know what causes arguments, right? Sometimes arguments are, come about because we compare ourselves with one another. We, we, we may compare ourselves with our children or, 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 or com back when my day, we didn't do that, you know, or, or why don't you act like your brother or don't act like your brother, <laughs> maybe. Um, we compare and that feeds arguments. Sometimes we're condemning, right? We look at someone in a condemning way. Oh, I pray that no one ever walks into this room or walks or encounters one of our church members and feels condemned. Uh, sometimes there's a condescending habit that we have. We look down on somebody. I'm better than you. And, and I want you to know that that. When, when you live out wisdom from above, we don't act that way. We're, we're moved to resolve conflicts. We're peaceable. It's like Romans 12, 18 says, as if possible, so as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. 
And I pray that you and I, we can build a church here that is peaceable, that, that we, we resolve conflicts. We're going to have conflicts because that's human nature. That's life. In your families, you're going to have conflicts. We should be peaceable. We should work to overcome that. Verse 17 goes on, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. Look at this, then gentle. It's gentle. God's telling us here that if, if we're going to be gentle, we're going to, we're, going to, we're going to treat people in a kind way, right? Gentleness is being kind to people. It's treating someone in a kind way. It's considerate. It's mindful of the feelings. Um, there's a common mistake that I, I, I think that we all fall into that, that if I don't feel the way you feel, then your feelings are invalid, right? Sometimes that happens in our marriage. As we look at our husband and wife, I don't feel that way. So you shouldn't feel that way. But sometimes that's, um, we, we tend to get into this habit of not being kind, Proverbs 15.4 says, a soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. And if we're going to walk with God, if we're going to really live out our faith, we should be known for our kindness, for the way we, we are kind at work, the way we treat one another, the way we are kind to our children, and, and, and the way we're, children are kind to their parents. And, and, and kindness should be part of our character. This is what James is saying. Look at this. Wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle. He says reasonable. And what does that mean, reasonable? What does it mean to be reasonable? You know what that means? It means you remain teachable for a lifetime. Reasonable is teachable. You're teachable. You're, you're, you're willing to learn. And see, I, one of the things that as, as I'm understanding as I'm growing in the Lord, that, that we remain teachable for a lifetime. It's why I was so inspired by Robin's grandfather when, when, when he was alive and he came and, and stayed with us for a week. And here he was, uh, he had pastored from the time he was 20 and now he was in his 80s and, and he had that huge large print Bible that was a workout just to carry it to the table because the letters were like that big it seemed like. And, and he comes to the table every morning at my house and he opens his Bible. And one day I was like, John, what passage are you reading? reading? And he told me and I was like, thinking, and I said to him, how many times have you read that passage? How many times have you preached on that passage? I don't know, I forgot. But there he is opening the Bible, saying, God, what, what do you have to say to me today? I, I wanna be like that, Are you kidding me? That's what I wanna be like, teachable for a lifetime. And see, that's what open to reason means. It means that, that we're not stubborn. We're willing to learn. We're, we're willing to listen. We're open to growth. And I want you to know, we are right now, if you look at our lives theologically, we are in that sanctification process where we are growing up in our faith. And this is important for us to be teachable, open to reason, allow discussion. It's like Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. And I pray that we don't forget this. I pray that we don't, we, we don't miss that, that God says if we are going to be wise, we will be teachable for a lifetime. And I pray that we get that. Verse 17 goes on, says, wisdom is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable. Look at this, full of mercy 
and good fruit. You know, if we're going to walk with Jesus, if we're going to live our faith out, we're going to be full of mercy, full of good fruits. What does that mean? It's that, it's that we're going to be people that can constantly and consistently overlook the permanent faults of others. We're going to be full of mercy. Even though you know the people you're, that are in your life, the people that you're closest to, the people you interact with have permanent faults. Do you know that I have, I have some permanent faults? There are some things that, are, that are, I just can't overcome. I'm just, it's just faults of my character, my personality. Now, you can ask my wife. She'll tell you both of them. I'm just kidding. I got a lot more than that. Um, but, but she knows that. She knows my faults. And she sees it every day. And she, she is this, and, and, and she is a wonderful accountability partner in my life of helping me through my faults. But as believers, as people that, that live out this wisdom from above, we will be driven to overlook faults, that love one another in spite of our faults. That's what Jesus did for you and me, didn't he? He loves us in spite of our faults. And, that, and that I love that song that we sang because we can come to the altar and we don't have to get things right before we come to him but we come to the altar and he, he's putting us back together. And I pray that we see this. It's like um, it's such a blessing it's that, that God has been merciful to us. And because his mercy is so great that, that, that we, we are moved to extend mercy to others. And this is why one of my prayers that I pray for our church is that we are the most grateful people that we're grateful because we understand that we've been forgiven. We've been given another chance. So we should do that to others. That's wisdom from above. Look at this. He goes on. Wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering. Wisdom from above is unwavering. Let's think about that for a minute. Unwavering means this, this strength. When I think of someone that's unwavering, they're strong. They're, they're, they're able to stand even if they stand alone. That's one of the things I pray for my children is that, is that as they grow up that, that they would be leaders. They'd be able to stand alone if need be. Even if it was by themselves. And, and would we be willing to do that? Are we unwavering? Now, I'm not saying stand for the wrong things. I, what I believe, uh, an application of this is that, that we firmly stand for what honors Christ. Th this is what I pray that we catch here, that, that we are unwavering, that we firmly stand for the things that, that honors Christ, honors Jesus. You know, it's interesting to me because there's false teaching around us. And, and I had a church member come up this week and say, struggling because... Her grandson was going to a church that, that teaches that homosexuality is okay. And there are a lot of churches that are, that are heading that direction. That, hey, it's okay. So homosexuality is okay. Now, there are a lot of churches that teach that, but, you know, the Bible is very clear on that. It's not. Now, it's not just homosexuality, but we look at all, all the moral issues that we face of, of infidelity, having an affair with somebody, or, or pornography. These things are destructive. And the Bible doesn't ever say, this is okay. 
And we've got to be people, a group of people that are unwavering, that, are, that firmly stand for what honors Christ. And this is why I'm grateful that we have the word of God. And this is why I'm grateful for a passage like this one that basically says, if you want to walk with Jesus, here's what it looks like. It's not, it's not unclear. It's like, here's the list. For us list people, we go, I like that. I like to fill in the blank um, because there's the list. And I'll tell you, we've got to be unwavering. It's like Ephesians 4, 14 and 15, an incredible verse. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried around by every, about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. That we're to be people that grow up in our faith. This is why we are so passionate about teaching the word of God. And this is why when I get up to preach, I have a goal of within five minutes, we're in the text. I don't just ramble about, maybe I ramble too much, but, but I don't ramble about just philosophy or self-help stuff. But we're gathered around the word saying, God, what do you say? What are you telling us? How do we live? And, and I'll say all the time, I'm not speaking at you, I'm with you. And I'll tell you, this is one of those passages that this week, my wife and I are going, Lord, we need your wisdom. Our daughter's leaving. You know that, right, Lord? She's leaving. And God says, grow up, Chris. It's supposed to happen. I don't like it, but it's happening. Look at verse 17. But wisdom is from above, is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, look at this one, without hypocrisy. You know, in the Greek word here is this idea, in, in, in the Greek, in, in Greek culture, they would do these plays. And, and, and what would happen is like two or three actors would do a play with like seven or eight characters. And when they would change characters, they would put on a mask. And they would say, I'm going to be this character. And they would act that part. And then they would pick up a different mask and they would put on that mask and they would act that part. You know what that actor was called? That actor was called the hypocrite because he could be multiple, have multiple faces. And see, God's telling us that wisdom from above is not this kind of wisdom that acts one way on Sunday and puts this, oh, I love Jesus face on, but then Monday there's no evidence of Christ influencing your life. You see, this is the whole, one of the big points in the whole book of James. He's like, look, you've got to pay attention to how you live. So what does this look like? It means that we're, we're authentic. That, that we are a group of people that we can be authentic in our lives. And we, we can, we, we cannot, we're not inconsistent. And this is who we've got to become. I'm not saying we're going to be perfect. I'm not saying we're going to always respond like we should. Because we're not, we're human, we're gonna struggle, we're gonna, we're gonna have moments where we're, we're not gonna do well, but when we don't, when we don't do well, we, we deal with it. 
We confess our sins and, and we're faithful to, to, to deal with our sin quickly. It's like my, the verse my dad put on my Bible when I surrendered to ministry at False Creek when I was 15 years old. I came home and said, Dad, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I feel like I'm supposed to go be a pastor. And my coach dad didn't said good, good, about all he said. The next day, I had a Bible in my, in my room. And on my Bible, he had put Ephesians 4.1. I thought, well, shoot, I guess I better memorize it because someone's going to say, what's that say? And I didn't want to say, I don't know. So I memorized it. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. See, that, that's not just true for me who was called to be a preacher. That's true for all of us who are called to be believers because we bear the name of Jesus. And see, this is what James is saying to Christians, to, to his church that he's pastoring. He's got, look, you've got to, you, you can't put on all these faces. You've got to walk with Jesus out in your life. So let's hear him today. Let, let's, let's pay attention to what God is saying to us today. Now, if you're here today and, and you're not a believer, you've not trusted Christ as your savior. I, I know that this message is really not for you because you've not trusted Christ yet, but, but and you've seen probably Christians like me who have failed in front of you. And I just want you to know we're, we're all growing and we're not gonna get it right all the time, but I'm so grateful for the grace of God and his forgiveness. But I pray that you would come to know Jesus. I pray that you would come to see what it's like to be forgiven because I want you to know that Christ's forgiveness has changed my life. It's transformed me. And you know, you could come to him today you could know forgiveness. Do you know that you need Christ's forgiveness more than you need the next breath that you take? I wish so bad if, if I wish I could just grab my heart and take it out and just throw it in you for a minute to give you the experience of what it's like to have Christ give you hope and forgiveness and help and a relationship I can't do that, but I can get in front of you and say, come and know my savior. Because when I came to the altar, he didn't turn me away, he forgave me. He's, he's currently helping me put my life back together and just like the moment that my wife and I are in right now where we're on our knees going, Lord, we need your wisdom. As we walk through this milestone that we've thought about since Emily was born. Help us. He does. He helps us. He'll help you wherever you are. Come to Jesus today. Those that are believers, we've got to follow him. We've got work to do. Don't miss the adventure and the joy of following Jesus. We're going to have an invitation like we always do because 
God invites us to put feet to our to what he said to us. He, he moves us. He calls us to move. And so we invite you to come today. So would you stand where you are? Lord Jesus, today I thank you for your word.